Hello and welcome everyone to the Traction Stage podcast. Traction is what every founder in an early stage startup is looking for. It is the clear evidence that the market wants your product or service and it's when things start getting bigger and better. I'm Alexandre Azevedo and as your host I'll interview startup entrepreneurs from all over the world to better understand which were the elements they've counted on and the challenges they faced before finding traction for their businesses. In today's episode, I'll interview Itamar Benedi, co-founder of Enzu. Hello, Stark Founders. This is Alex again, and here we go to another episode of the Traction Stage podcast. Today, my guest is Itamar Benedi, co-founder of Enzu. Enzu is a startup from Israel that brings real-world advertising to esports and video gaming. Hello, Itamar. Welcome to the Traction Stage podcast. How are you today? Hey, Alex, I'm great. Thank you for inviting me. Well, thank you for accepting this interview. And let's jump directly to, the, to our first question that refers to the problem and the solution. I want to understand uh, what exactly is the problem or the essential problem that Enzo is solving and what is the solution it is offering to the market? Okay, perfect. Good, good question. I mean, of course, there is a different problems and it depends of from what perspective you're looking at. But when we looked at the game developers, we saw a big problem of helping them to build on the one side, the business model of advertising, but then on the other side, not harming the user experience. All of the pop-ups and the annoying ads uh, we felt wasn't a good solution. So that's how um, we felt that we're, we're bringing uh, some good value to the game developers, to the publishers. And then on the other side, with advertisers and brand, we saw that there is some audiences very hard to reach, um, and many of the young audiences. Um, Generation Z, for example, doesn't watch a lot of TV anymore. And then we saw gaming as a very good channel to reach the unreachable or to hard to to the hard-to-reach audiences. So we try to solve problems for both types of companies that we're basically connecting in our platform. Okay, and, and how did this idea of taking these real-world advertisements and putting them inside the, the game, how did this happen to, to Enzu? Yes, so, I mean, basically how our, our tech works is we integrate with game developers, all type of game developers from a mobile, PC, Xbox, PlayStation, really any type of, of applications. And then our technology allows the game developer to convert every object of the game into an ad placement. So every billboard, every logo, every object of the game can be the actual ad. And the beauty here is that this is exactly how we as end users consume content in the real world. So we thought, why not to bring these real world ads into the gaming world, into the esport world, and enjoy all the advantages of digital advertising, like um, programmatic media buying, um, targeting, personalization, real-time data. So that's the idea behind it. Okay, and, and you do that through a kind of kit, right? You provide a kit for the game studios, and they can use and they can can target their objects inside the game. So do what what you have mentioned about using them as, as a source of advertisements. Is, is that correct? Exactly. It's called an SDK. SDK is a kit. Basically, it's a few line of codes that the developer integrates inside his application. 
and we support all the game engine platforms. So if the game is built in Unity, which is most popular for mobile games, or if the game is built on the Unreal Game Engine, more popular for the console games, or if even companies will build their own game engine for their own games, we also support that. So whatever game engine the game developer is using, whatever platform he's using, he can use our kit, our SDK, and basically um, like an editor to choose what objects he wants to monetize, to convert into ad placements, but then also to control blacklist and whitelist of content, also to control what ad format to place there, if it's a video, if it's a banner, and also to control pricing data and a lot of other uh, very important um, factors for game developers. And on the uh, on the advertiser side, you you provide them the objects that they can use, uh, or do they have to get that from from the from the game studios? How the, how does that work? Yes, so brands and advertisers love innovation, but they don't really like to change the way they're they're working. So here at Andrew, we are granting very easy access for the advertisers because on the one side we're acting as an SSP. Uh, we're integrated into all the DSPs and the media buying platform. So whatever um, current platform the brand is using to buy media, he can buy our inventory from, from the same platform. And then on top of that, we support all types of ad formats from the standard uh, IAB banners and videos, and then also to more of customized formats. So whatever creative the client is already using today on other campaigns, he can just take those creatives and run our campaign. So not only there is no integration needed, but there's, there's also no um, creative creation. So again, very easy access we grant for them. Perfect. Excellent. Understood. So uh, let me understand now about the beginning. And as I've seen in Enzo timeline, we have in April 2017, you launched Enzo. Six months later, on in October 2017, you submitted the first patent on 3D ad tracking. And in April 2018, you launched the beta version, which means uh, one year after launching Anzu. So tell me a little bit about this first beta. And I want to understand what were the features that you, you selected and you, you've chosen uh, to be the first features and to start testing uh, what uh, what features were decided in that time of the beta version? Okay, that's, uh, that's actually a good question, and we can speak a few hours only about that, but I'll try to keep it concise. <laughs> um, okay. So, I mean, like, like here in Anzu, our uh, um, vision was always to focus on the biggest games in the world, the AAA games, games that never showed ads. And now for the first time, they're accepting advertisement because of our unintrusive, native, very authentic ads. But we know that with these game developers, they're very, very picky in the sense of what tech they would allow and would accept. So we started with mobile developers, which are which the barrier to enter is lower. And, and then we created like a more of a, like a basic version just to support mobile. And then as we grew, we moved into having a mature platform to use to work with, with the very big game developers. So, so that's like, like, like number one. And then um, number two, I believe and we believe that in the advertising world, if you can't measure it, it doesn't exist. So we're the, like the only company in the world to provide ad viewability and real-time data um, around the 
um, add formats in our gaming environment. So now marketers can also understand for how many seconds did the user see the ad? What's the percentage of the ad from the whole screen? How much of the ad is actually being seen? And this gives like a lot of confidence to marketers to spend more money in our platform. Of course, because we also have like a third party audit. So all this data is, is, is unbiased. And I think it's, it's, it's a pretty big decision to build a real-time ad viewability solution even before you have the ad tech platform working because we understood that without having an ability to measure it, this will not mean a lot. So working in a parallel on the measurement tool and on the ad tech stack and starting from mobile and going to the AAA to the bigger games is basically how we structured it. And of course, there is, I mean, like hundreds of different features that we had in mind and, and we try to prioritize, like the advice that I can give here is really like work with the market and like and entrepreneurs think that they know what feature is most important for their products. But the reality is that the clients, the guys are who actually pay for it and use it, they are the real kings. So if they will not use it, there's no re really need to build it and vice versa. So really listen to the market and just develop whatever you have a very clear understanding that clients is going to use. Okay, and, and the evidence, uh, what kind of evidence did you get from this beta version? Because we put a beta version uh, with uh, less features than we would like exactly to learn about the market, learn about the solution. What kind of insights did you have in that time? Uh, it demand any kind of iteration or pivot in your solution? Yes, so I'm a very, very big believer that entrepreneurs should go as fast as possible to market with a very lean, lean version, get feedback, see if it's interesting, and continue from there. I saw over the years a lot of companies focusing on a lot of features that are, very, that, that are brilliant and, of course, can bring a lot of sense, but they are not at the core of what the company does. So we try to go to market as fast as possible, And then once we had a live solution, we tried to add its features according to the prioritization from the clients. But one maybe very, very important comment, and that's stability. Our tech is very stable, it's very reliable, and that's something that you could never give up for. So yes, go to market as fast as possible, wait with, with a lot of features until you really need them or the clients really ask for them, but never give up on the quality of your tech and on having a tech that companies can can rely on and can predict the behavior of the of the product and even with the beta version were you able to to start convincing this triple uh, a game studios that uh, it was something valuable or no did, did they dem demand uh more features than this beta version and this beta version was only for the smaller studios how how was that uh Yeah, so I mean, with, with the AAA games, the sales cycle obviously is much, much longer. So from the day they tell you that they want it until they go live, there is, there's a big like, period between those times. I mean, with the mobile developers, it's, 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 it, and it's quite the opposite. It's a very fast integration sales process. With the, the AAA games, at first, they need to, to accept the concept of what you're doing. And then there is two things happening in parallel. Number one, they will 
audit and check and test your platform to see if that's something that is good enough for their standards. And then on the other side, you'll get a list of features. Hey, okay, now that we like what you do and we tested everything, in order to go live, here is a list of 10 features that you need to build for us. But then it's easy to build them because we know that there is an, like, an immediate use of those features. Um, so that's like m- more of how, to, how we do. We try to take advantage of the longer sales cycle and the and integration process with the big games to build for them before we go live everything that they're looking for. Was it very difficult to, to convince them that uh, Enzo ad experience uh, wouldn't harm actually the, 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 the experience of the user because we have in the past and we have uh, we had in the past many experiences or bad experiences with advertisements that were very intrusive. So were they worried about that or is was Enzo's solution so so clear that they could get in the first first look? Yeah, uh, like I mean, I think it was pretty clear. Of, uh, of course, there's always like you know market education for doing something new. But in general, it's very easy to see that our concept is unintrusive ads, very native ads, very authentic experiences of the brands in the world. I mean, if you are a big brand who is doing a lot of advertisements in Wimbledon and the tennis tournaments, and then I come with some tennis games to that brand and tell them, hey, why don't you put the exact same ads that you're putting in the real world tennis tournaments into my games? And, and, and basically advertising that way, for the advertiser, it makes a lot of sense. But then also for, for the games, it makes sense because it helps the game to look more realistic. So instead of like, like putting advertisement and harming the user experience, we're, we're actually trying to help it, to enha- enhance the user experience. And I don't believe people hate ads. I believe people hate bad ads. If the ads are, are, are content that people want to consume, then it can even actually help us, right? I mean, like as people, we're always looking for for good content. Um, like another example is that some of the most videos on YouTube are actually advertisements, like like the most seen videos on YouTube. But because they are so well produced, people don't see them as advertisement. People see them as content they want to consume, and that's the holy grail of advertising, and where we're trying to to reach. And, you know, with, with the gaming audience, it's even more important because these audience, they're very picky to user experience. They're techie guys. They have ad blockers. You cannot, you cannot bullshit them. So that's, like, that's why we're happy to having a very demanding audience who only wants like, the pixel perfect and the best. That's why, what we're trying to provide. Yeah, in fact, I, I find it really interesting, the solution and, and, and how you enhance or how you, you've mentioned you enhance user experience because that's what happens in the real world. Was this challenge to convince the, the advertisers that uh, you can, in fact, get or engage users in this different environment? Yeah, an interesting topic to discuss. So, I mean, like, maybe first I will quickly touch something you mentioned in, in, in your previous uh, comment. And there's two types of game developers that we work with. There is those who are like, and that's mainly mobile developers who are today using banners and videos and rewarded ads and, and are doing advertisement today. And for those game developers, basically we're providing new revenues on top of everything that they're doing because today they're maybe putting 
interstitials, a full of full screen ad between the different game scenarios, but there's still a lot of placements, as you mentioned, that they're not monetizing. So it's for them not competing with their current advertising models, just bringing new revenues on top. So that's one type of, 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 of companies we work with. And then there's the bigger game developers who until now didn't do advertisement because the ads were, were too much intrusive. And, and then these companies are excited for the first time to implement it, an advertising solution. So that's one thing. And then now to, to quickly answer the current question. Um, first, if I'm looking on advertising and on programmatic buying, there is like just like on, on the basic, basic stuff, there is a lot of problems in the attic world in, in some sense is, is, is broken. So today, if I'm buying traffic in a programmatic way, there's a lot of fraud. And us as a company who integrates into the game engines directly and work with console environments, we can, we can provide a much more cleaner environment and also have like third-party companies to audit that. So that's already something that is a big plus for the advertisers to work with us. Number two, it's, it's, it's around brand safety. Today in, in the social world, you can there is basically user-generated content, so you cannot control the content that is being seen, and then ads and brands can appear close to pedophilia content and, of course, things that are not, not brand-safe. With gaming as a known user-generated content platform, uh, we can provide a very clean and brand-safe environment in that sense. The third point is, is, is around adjubility. Today, marketers are buying a lot of traffic that is not fully being seen. With our uh, patents and partners for with the cybersecurity companies, we can give confidence to the marketers only to pay for viewable ads and only to pay for ads that are actually being seen and for enough time and for big enough of, of an ad. So only those basic stuff really helps us to convince the advertisers to work with us. But then, of course, on top of these things, it's also important to do some research and to show them the brand lift effectiveness and, 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 and to show them what's the meaning of, of, of this in-game advertising format. So we have a lot of work in that sense and we have a lot of materials to show to the clients and to basically give them the confidence to um, work with us. Okay, got it, got it. And now let, let's talk about... Uh, the funding or the funds that you have raised so far uh, that sums up to eight million dollars. Uh, how has uh, how has the, the seed fund helped you in the very beginning? What I mean is that what could you do with that money and 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 what kind of things uh, could you leverage with the the, the funds raised? Of course, and, and and you know like of course each. Different funding stage has different challenges and different opportunities and pros and cons. But, you know, like at the very, very beginning, when you go to raise money without a working product, you're looking for investors to believe in the team, investors to believe like in, in the initial concept. I mean, we raise with a PowerPoint, the first fund. And but then on the other side, it's, 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 a, it's a smaller amount. So, it's, so the risk is smaller for the investors. So you're looking for more for investors who have good intuition about you and about the product and about the market. And investors know that the product can change, the market can change, but if there's a strong entrepreneurs behind it, they will find a way to make it happen and to pivot and to do whatever needed to be super successful and eventually to give a very high return on investment for the investors. So, so did you, that's did did you have sorry? Did you have any any kind of prototype or 
or, or mock-ups or, or anything like that to show them uh, how did you convince you you had uh, the, the the team background of course the experience but did you have any any kind of not not, a, not necessarily an evidence but uh, what did you show them that convinced them the idea was was good to be invested in yeah, I mean the first fund was only basically raised with with a PowerPoint I mean we tried to focus on the triangle of a very strong founder team that knows how to get shit done and knows how to execute with not a lot of resources and to be very effective in that sense. That's number one. Number two, to focus on a market that is so big that, that can be so meaningful to build and to innovate in that area. And then number three, to focus of the product and the idea and, and the concept and, and, and how how thought like 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 the like amount of thought that was already invested into that and then eventually that that um, played for us pretty well and that funding helped us to build us to basically hire a small team build the first uh, prototype get the first client and then to go to the second fund with already a working product and but but then of course that's a bigger amount and there is more risk for the investors because of course the company is not pro is not profitable or something about like, like that. Perfect. And and what about your marketing efforts? I mean, what kind of what are the main marketing efforts you 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 have or have put there? And and one one curiosity that I have is that if you benefit from video gaming streaming or those tournaments that we we see nowadays and and that many people uh, watch. Do you have any any kind of benefit on that, or just the advertisers? Yeah. So I mean, um, let's basically break it into 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 few parts, right? So, like, on the very basic level, we offer like for brands to advertise uh, when people are playing in home or out of out of home. If it's a mobile game, a PC game, or a console game, but then once we're integrated into those big games and those big games have esports tournaments, then we can um, basically advertise in-game inside the esport arenas. And that's something that, that we're doing with the partnership from um, the esport leagues. And of course, those games are also being broadcasted on the streaming platforms. So if and when we have like an, uh, like a strategic partnership with the streaming platforms, then we can also take our ads into into the stream level. Um, but that's maybe a bit more later down the road. Okay, and, and direct sales uh, uh, are pro probably your your main uh, marketing efforts. Is that correct? Uh, I mean, like, the team is, is, is pretty small. We're doing most of the things in-house and a lot of, of organic stuff. I mean, and yeah, I mean, we have good connections and good network in the ecosystem. We're going to a lot of events. We're meeting a lot of people. We have a lot, a lot of ambassadors and champions who really believe in what we do. And, and yeah, and then we're basically taking from there. But like, because this is such of an interesting topic, it's very easy to associate with. And we see a lot of traction on social media. I mean, today gaming has become a pop culture. The big games are brands by themselves, um, and there is like a lot of examples for that. There is 
a guy called DJ Marshmallow. He's doing DJ like 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 uh, um, musician concerts inside game. So people will go into the game not only to play the game but to hear his show. So you now gaming is it's becoming basically the new social media. And there's the guy who won the Fortnite tournament, and he today to win the, the Fortnite World Championship, you'll receive more money than if you win the New York Marathon or if you win the Wimbledon tennis like World Championship tournament. So gaming is becoming a big business, and people basically love games. So it's it's you know, it's, it's easier to sell the concept of what we do. Yeah, sure, sure, that's awesome, and and and. Tell me about what what was the biggest challenge, in your opinion, so so far from the very beginning, from launching Enzo and 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 until you get traction. What what are what were the most challenging thing in the in the way? I mean, there were a lot of challenges down the road, and I can tell you from the very early days, a lot of people were very pessimistic about what we do, and we heard, heard a lot of people who didn't believe in that. As we grow and as we continue and as we validate our solution in the market, more and more people uh, believe. And I think now like everyone or most of the people will agree that this is going to become a big business, of course, with the big companies who just um, backed us recently. But the first you know, like, like thing I can tell you, just, just believe in yourself and don't really listen to any feedback coming from people who know very little about what you do and that didn't research or, or, or dive deep enough to really be in a position to give an opinion of what will work and what will not will work. I think that's one of a good of advice I can give. And then the second one is the most challenging thing is still to, to build the best tech in the world that's, that's, that's like, you know, what will please all of the players that we're working with. So I, I, w I was going to ask you uh, a piece of advice. I, I think you, you think you have have mentioned too. Uh, do you have another one for, for, for uh, startup entrepreneurs that are listening to us and that want to, to, to build an awesome solution, that want to, to get in the traction stage with the idea? Sure. Um, we can speak a lot about this. Um, like, like, like I'm always looking on the triangle of the idea, the, the team, and the funding And a lot of, of entrepreneurs think that it's always hard to get the funding or, or always hard to get the idea. I can tell you that to bring the best team, it's always the most challenging thing. If you have a very strong team and if you're focused enough, eventually you'll find a good idea. And once you have a good team and a good idea, eventually you'll get funding. So just focus on having a strong team and be laser focused on what really matters And everything will basically come from that. Itamar, thank you so much for your time. Thank you so much for sharing with us uh, Enzo's story and 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 all the all the aspects, the the, the hurdles and and your and your wins in the way. And I wish all the best for you and for Enzo's team. Thank you, Alex. And let's uh, stay in touch. Okay. Thank you. Thank you so much. Bye bye. Have a good day. You too. And how about you? Did you like this episode? Please visit us at attractionstage.com and leave your comment. There you will find all the episode's show notes as well as additional information about the founders and their startups. I'll wait for you there. Bye bye.